0: donato's just didn't add bacon to their pizzas they added bacon to their bacon canadian bacon and hardwood smoked bacon or canadian bacon and chipotle seasoned bacon get two dollars off a large bacon duo or any large pizza use promo code 2 donato's every piece is important
1: this season a full heart doesn't mean a full house we're still gathering just virtually and we're still connecting safely traditions keep us close even when we can't be together think big plan small Let's save lives, Columbus.
2: You're listening to Black Girl Blueprint.
1: Because black girls did it first.
2: And honestly, better.
1: Period. Period. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, everyone, and welcome to Black Girl Blueprint, your fave podcast for all the Gen Z Black Girl Tea. My name's Lauren.
2: And my name is and Thanks, y'all, for tuning in to today's episode. So we have a super exciting conversation lined up today. I've, I feel it already. We're with, joined by 13-year-old <laughs> activist Naomi Wadler, and we're super excited to get to know her and all of her work. But before we get into everything, why don't you just introduce yourself, Naomi, and tell us a few things about you.
3: Well, first off, thank you so much for having me. Um, My name is Naomi. I'm 13 years old. I'm going into the eighth grade this year, and I'm a huge advocate um, for uh, Black girls' issues all around, advocating for the recognition of er the erasure of Black women, um, and really everything that relates to the violence and racially-charged instances that Black women may feel less than and, and really just everything that we all go through on a daily basis. I, I love to talk about it. I love to raise awareness about it. And I'm so excited to be here.
2: Thank you. That was awesome. So and We're so happy welcome. to have you here.
1: Yes, exactly. Oh my gosh, like you said, Maheen, I can feel it today. is such a great conversation lined up. Um, but before we get into like, you know, the meat of today's episode, all about your activism, let's, you know, read the room. A little bit. So, McKean, let us know what Read the Room is, what are we talking about
2: today. Let's go. So, for anyone who doesn't know, and also for Naomi, Read the Room is our segment that we open each episode with, and it's really a range of things. Sometimes we talk about, like, pop culture happenings. Other times we talk about whatever's happening in our lives, and sometimes we just also talk about what different listeners send in. But today we really wanted to take a minute, you know, like, I feel like most of us, including myself, know you for your activism. And your incredible activist work. But like we said, you're at a, a crazy point in life. You're 13. Life is, I remember that time in my life and there was so much happening. So we kind of just wanted to talk about you. Like, what are some things that our audience might be surprised to know about you? Like, what are some things that you're into type of thing?
3: Um, I'm a, one of the things that people should know about me is that I'm a super avid reader. Um, Mm. I love literature and I love all kinds of it. Uh, My first major book series that I had read was Harry Potter um, Mm. in the third grade. And ever since then, I kind of fell in love with novels, whether they're historic fiction or realistic fiction or just plain out fantasy. Mm -hmm. um, I really, I I fell in love with, with reading. um, And I feel like that's also what's led me to be able to get through all of my reading. When it comes to researching for speeches or researching Mm. for an article of my own that I'm going to write. I feel that since I've had so much exposure to the politics, um, political writing, op ed, stuff like that, I have an easier time being able to research that stuff on my own and formulate my own thoughts and ideas. So I'm super grateful that my mother has always had those conversations with me and has always been very open and, and, and. Um, happy to have um, me exposed to that stuff, like the news. And I feel like it's so important for kids my own age and kids in general to be exposed to stuff like that so mm-hmm. that they don't grow up and go into the world and wonder why they're not sheltered anymore and have a hard time right. adjusting because there's so many issues and there's probably going to be even more if – Um, probably not less, but even more issues by the time that I'm going to college. And so there are other kids that happen to be, I mean, no matter what race they are, if they grow up not knowing what the world is like, it's probably going to be really hard for them to function in it. So as I said, I'm very grateful that my mom has always bought me books and has always given me an opportunity to read newspapers and watch videos on news sites and, and really have the chance to educate me and have me educate myself because I know a lot of people don't have that opportunity
1: period. That's so beautiful. Yes. It is. <laughs> we love to hear it. What well, you were talking about with being an avid reader, I was literally the same way um, when I was your age. I wasn't a Harry Potter fan. I really never got into like the books or the movies. And I'm kind of thinking about reading them because I see all the TikToks about like Harry Potter and like, Draco <laughs> Malfoy stuff. <laughs> but I was really into, I don't know if you ever read these, Naomi, the like the Percy Jackson series or like the mm. Greek mythology ones. Did you ever check those out?
3: All of my friends did. I remember I just, I didn't, I never got into those. Mm, I I feel like I should, and you should definitely read Harry Potter.
1: (laughs) I'm thinking about it. I'm honestly thinking about getting them on iBooks. I think you should definitely read the Percy Jackson series. All of them, I think they're amazing. Don't let the movie throw you off. We don't, we don't stand (laughs) the movie in this house, but... Yeah, definitely Avid Reading. I love that. And I love the way you connected it to the way it, you know, sort of started out your activism work, but like how it led you to be, you know, educated and to understand the world around you. I think it's so important, you know, that you've been able to make those connections. And I think also just, you know, like stemming back to like a little bit more about like you and your personal life. I mean, like what else, you know, should people know about you? I know something else that um, a lot of people, something that I was really into, your age, just when I first started to get into music a little bit I mean it was the times were a little different I don't want to come across as old but like I would definitely be like illegally downloading things from YouTube onto my little like iPod <laughs> so like, what kind of music are you like listening to now like do you have any favorite artists favorite genres like what yeah what are you listening to
3: I listen to a little bit of everything, whether it's mm-hmm. pop or alternative or R and B. Um, music is definitely, as you said, something that I I value a lot. Feel like even though I I do my fair share of writing, creating a, a melody or a song or some form of art that people oh. like start to. I don't know that people fall in love with just like we fall in love with music. I feel like that's such a superpower. Same with authors and any people that write poems. I feel that that's such the the amount of capacity in your brain. It must take to, to create something like that is mind blowing to me. Um, and so one of my favorite artists is SZA. Um, yes. I, really, I really, really love her um, and her music and I'm still recovering um, from that album, from the drop, and, th- yes. <laughs> and I, I really love her. Um, I, I feel mm-hmm. like growing up, um, especially when I was around my friends because I went to a majority white school. Not anymore, but um, when I. Uh, when was in elementary school I was exposed to a lot of music through my friend and I never really listened to a lot of black artists that weren't rappers because that's what black people sung to my friends um, and that's mm. who black people were for their entertainment so coming, into, get middle into, that. School, coming <laughs> into middle school um, and being able to explore entire genres where black women are taking over um, and going against the stereotypes that are often assigned to black women, um, and black people in general, I just, music is, their music is something, um, that's amazing, and they both really inspire me.
2: Oh, that was great, we um, love SZA, everybody, SZA, you have great taste, we can already tell, um, I think it was, her all the time. I also think it's, like, amazing to think that, like you said, like they're writing these things. It's such a vulnerable art. So I think that's beautiful that you can even see that. And we don't talk about that enough, but, um, and also the thing you said about going to a predominantly white school, we're going to get into that. Cause we also have been there. I, I was at a majority white school from elementary school to like literally my whole life, literally from like, I think third grade until senior year. So I can, we going not get into that, but our last sort of like, fun Naomi fact question was like, have you binged anything recently? I don't know about you, but quarantine has been a time for me to just like sit down and watch shows in full. Like I've, I watched everything from this like makeup show competition to I binged, I think I watched part of 90s First Dates. Now I'm watching part of Girlfriends. What have you been watching recently, Naomi?
3: um since before quarantine I kind of got into Grey's Anatomy and Ooh. at this point I'm on season eight which is pretty still pretty early in the entire series and I kind of got bored of it um I always like I watch shows I always have like two or three shows going at a time because I'll like go for a week just watching one show and then I'll get bored and so then I'll switch to my other one and vice versa I feel um, that and <laughs> recently I um, started watching The Vampire Diaries and in the span of like a month, I'm already on last season and that's definitely one of my favorite shows. I feel like that's such a cliche. I remember growing up um, when a lot of the teenagers <laughs> who are now in college were um, in middle school or high school <laughs> and <laughs> were, were talking about um, that show and, and I don't know, being able to watch it again. I, I really like shows that take place in the early 2000s because um, I feel like that's Uh, The shows that take place like right now that are more recent um, have such a different plot. I feel like technology and social media plays such a big role in a lot of the um, screenplays that we watch. So being able to see um, and watch uh, movies and TV shows from before that was even a thing is really, really refreshing
1: definitely definitely those you just called off some of the shows that I literally binged in full in like a whole week I didn't watch the end of Grey's Anatomy because like you said I got kind of bored the drama got a little bit you know a little bit too much I was crying too much I was like, everybody started dying it was too much I was like no (laughs) it's, it's not (laughs) <laughs> but I mean, not Grey's Anatomy, Vampire Diaries as well. I have watched that whole thing. If you like Vampire Diaries, highly recommend the originals too. <laughs> <I> <laughs> fan all of those shows. But that was such a great little segment to get to know a little bit about you. And to just know that, you know, you're kind of into the same things that McKean and I are into. And, you know, that we've all like, you know, can appreciate. Um, those types of art forms and like they bring us joy in that way so that was so exciting. Thank you Naomi for letting us know a little bit more about you. (laughs) Um, So you know getting into the main topic of our conversation today we wanted to start by talking a little bit about school you know because you just started eighth grade which must be super super exciting so you know we know you know these unprecedented times as they called it with the you know online classes and zoom and everything but how has your experience been so far and in general with you in school like do you have any favorite subjects any least favorite subjects you know what's school like for you?
3: Um, this year is actually my first year at a new school. Um, so going, um, to a new school, not really knowing a lot of people and going like online in the first place is definitely, it's, it's made things a lot harder, like socializing, um, or really getting to know a lot of people. And thankfully my school has done a, a great job at getting us each other's contact information so we can stay mm-hmm. in touch outside of class. Um, but I, f- I feel that, Um, a lot of schools are going back in person, so I'd much rather be able to go back online and not be able to interact with as many people than to go back in person and, um, put people in danger or put myself in danger. Yeah. So, um, it's, it's a pretty, like wearing a mask, it's a pretty small price to pay for a bigger cause. Absolutely. Um, So as annoying as it might be, um. I'm just, I'm grateful that the school that I'm going to now has taken our safety into consideration because I know a lot of places in Virginia or around the world just hasn't um, done that a job and coming to my favorite subjects, I definitely love um, the 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 more the subjects that require more verbal skills like history and um, English. I love those classes and they're my favorite. But then when it comes to math and science, that's a little bit harder for me. Yes, um, we feel that. <laughs> so I have a great time. I love reading and I have a great time researching, like in those two subjects. But then when it comes to math, um, math and in um, eighth grade just started to be, or science in eighth grade just started to be more about math. It used to kind of be like its own thing, uh-huh. you know, formulas and all of that. So those those subjects are are, are not my favorite right now, but I, I feel like I've been doing a pretty good job at, at keeping up and doing my work.
2: That's great. I, you are reminding me so much of like, eighth grade is a crazy transition. I remember when I finally stepped into a science class and like we weren't learning about trees anymore or like how to, you know, like small little things. We were like doing equations. And I was like, what is this? I've never taken notes like this in science before. But yes, I feel that I was also a major like English history are my favorite classes person. So I, I feel that 100%. I'm also thinking about like the transition from, I'm sure you're thinking about high school, like you're so close, but so far. And I know you just transitioned school. So like, what are you looking forward to about high school like do you have any things that you think are going to be super different or any nervousness around that
3: I'm excited for more independence Um, I'm excited for free periods because I don't have any in middle school so I'm definitely excited to be able to have like more time to have fun at school. Yeah. Um, um, and I'm also a little bit worried about more independence. I feel like for me, a, a really good structured work environment is good. So um, last year, at my old school, we were online for a quarter of the year, mm-hmm. and they didn't really have it figured out. So I feel like a big part of my school now being able to figure out is that they've done this for like half a year. But when it was like new, and we just got into quarantine in March, um, the school didn't do Um, like, I feel like nobody did a great job. Right. Nobody knew what they were doing. Um, and so I like, they would just give you work. And so I'd get my work and I just, I wouldn't know I'd do it or I'd do most of it or there would just be no structure. And so it was really hard for me. So having more independence is definitely something to look forward to, but I'm also a little bit worried about holding myself more accountable, Mm. um, and being able to step away from the stuff that I would like to do and stop procrastinating
1: and stuff like that. (laughs) Mm-hmm. That's valid. That's really true. And I think that's something that's been difficult for everybody. I think with these online classes, I've definitely found myself getting so distracted more easily. I've found myself, I don't know, just it's so much easier to have access to do so many different things at once, but like harder at the same time to make sure you're doing what you need to do. And I think thinking, you know, within the vein of time management and you know how to balance all the things that are going on as you mentioned before you're a big advocate and activist and you do a lot of you know speaking engagements and speeches and stuff like that so how do you balance this activism work that you're doing with your schooling and has there ever been a time where it's become like draining or stressful to try to juggle or balance so many things at once um,
3: I'm filming a YouTube show and podcast Ooh. at the moment, um, which is a kind of a new news platform. It's it's run by now this and it's a way for me and the rest of the team to get out um, news stories and kind of like a whole delve into journalism for me, which is something that I'm really interested in. Yes. Um, it's directed at kids my age and kids who are younger and families and how they can present the issues of today's world in a more friendly manner, considering that there are Probably going to be young kids watching it as well, um, and so that was a little bit of a plug. Um, but <laughs> I'm, I'm also uh, I have to film like twice a week sometimes, and I get out of school at four o'clock. I go in at eight forty, and so most my of my day is um, online except for lunch, which is like forty five minutes, and like having to film or having to do stuff um, on the weekend where I don't have a lot of time um, to to myself or to even be have time to balance um what i'm doing is definitely really stressful and i think that's the case for a lot of activists because i feel like there's this pressure to to save the world and to get your opinion out there and to have other people hear you without the thought of maybe considering that you need to take care of yourself as well so that's definitely something that i've had to work on um sports is something that i use um, to take up some of my time to kind Ooh. of get out all of that pent out aggression. Um, what sports do you play?
2: Sorry, I'm curious now.
3: I've play- no, I've been playing tennis for nine years and I've been I've been running track forever.
2: Wow, that's amazing. You do you have everything. You you got a whole lot of extracurriculars over there. <laughs> but that's great. I feel like that's it's great that you're thinking of balance at that point. I'm sure you maybe you've been you've had to with all of the stuff that you do, but Honestly, like that's something like Lauren said, we're all working through it. It's tough. Quarantine, I think it's because we've been in it for so long now. It feels like it's normal, but it's so not normal. And like this being on your computer every day and then having to film, like I imagine that's a lot. You know, it's a lot of screen time, it's a lot of like constantly being on. So kudos to you for finding an outlet through sports. Kudos to you on your like nine years of tennis, also a little. Miss Osaka over there, <laughs> but yes, that's something that's so interesting. And I feel like also sort of thinking about school and, you know, having to balance school with like the stuff that you do publicly, what is it like, you know, is there any overlap? You know, has the response been from your peers at school to, you know, this newfound, not newfound, but like pretty, still relatively recent like celebrity around your activism work. How does that, how's that been?
3: Um, I, I remember at orientation, which was on campus, um, we were all six feet apart, but that was the only time that I was on campus, Mm -hmm. like being able to see people. So I'm excited to go back at some point and to actually know them. Um, but I remember one of my, one of the girls that I met that day found out and I was super nervous because at my old school, a lot of the people um, were not that friendly about it, whether they meant to be or not. So, um, like people would be looking me up in the hallways and just bringing it up every single discussion like ever. And I like always appreciate that. But at the same time, like I have no desire to be the topic of conversation Uh in conversations that like I'm not even involved in. Um, so I, I haven't really talked to a lot of people, but I remember sitting in, um, math class and my friend brought it up while we were in breakout rooms um and was like oh my gosh and you have like 30,000 followers and like Uh blah 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 and this one boy was like okay well we should still treat her as if she's like a normal teenager because she is no no, no, no one's ever said that so (laughs) um I definitely and the fact that everybody in the class agreed with that I don't know I feel like overall um the school that I'm at now is just a better experience on socially, academically, um, and a better outlet for me to be able to talk and include my work in conversations without having any negative, like, ulterior motive that people think I have.
1: Uh, Mm, That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, definitely. I'm so sorry it's been difficult for you, though. I mean, I'm glad that you found, like, a much better environment for you, but definitely the past experience, it can not be easy, like you said, to be you know, navigating, trying to make friends and, you know, you know, trying to have that normal, I guess, middle school experience with this added layer of popularity, whether that means people might have, you know, ulterior motives for trying to get to know you and having to, you know, suss that out and figure that out. We can't even begin to imagine how difficult that must have been, but kudos to you for, you know, getting through it. We appreciate you. We stand you. Um, (laughs) But speaking about peers a little bit and something that McKean mentioned earlier that you know, we wanted to have a conversation about because McKean and I, we have this for our entire lives. In particular, I've been at a predominantly white institution, PWI, my entire life. We're still at a PWI now because mm-hmm. we both go to Columbia and it is a very, very white environment that we have yeah. around here. But <laughs> I know for me, definitely in high school, you know, I dealt with A lot of racism and ignorance, which I feel like is definitely something that happens a lot at a PWI, and also just kind of feeling excluded and alienated, whether people, like, meant to, like, explicitly do that or not, like just little things about maybe like being insecure about my hair. Like I remember um, there was one time we went on like a camping trip for the weekend and like all the little white girls just had their hair normal. My mom's like, no, we got to coroner your hair because I'm not going to be able to do it. And like (laughs) being embarrassed about that or like, you know, like when we would go swimming, I was like the only girl who had to wear a swim cap and I was like, I look so silly and just like being insecure about little things like that, like on top of the actual explicit, like racism and, ignorant comments and stuff like that but we wanted to talk to you a little bit about it as well because you have been you know vocal about your experience at a PWI so what has that been like for you so far what was the PWI experience like for you?
3: Um, Being uh, constantly surrounded from kindergarten to um, fifth grade up until middle school with so many white people um, was kind of the norm for me but Um, There's a lot of things that I look back on after going to a school that had a tremendous amount of black teachers um, and teachers of color. Um, Looking back from the environment I'm in now at that environment, I, I start to remember all of the things that I felt pressured to do. So I always wanted to straighten my hair, And I remember being at lunch and this girl said that her hair texture changed and she was white, but she said it got curly over the years. So I was like, well, then maybe my hair can get straight eventually. And I was like, so excited about that. Um, and, I don't know. I just I always wanted to fit in in ways that uh, my skin color and my hair and my appearance wouldn't allow me to. So people would like make comments about my lips or um, my hair or I don't know my eyes, which is really weird. But I have like these Ethiopian eyes, and people are always like, "Why? Why do they look like that?" I don't know. But it's I don't know. It's funny to see all of those girls grow up to then want big lips and then want mm-hmm. eyes like me, and then so that's that's something that I've noticed. That's kind of funny, but at the same time being surrounded by all of those people who didn't look like me caused me to want to be them um so going to my experience at a school where every single one except for one of my teachers was a person of color was an amazing experience specifically at a private school because I feel like that's not something that you would see a lot it isn't yeah Um, that's amazing and I just (laughs) I know I was, <laughs> I feel like it, I'm I'm so grateful to have had that experience over the last two years. Um, and I, I, being able, I, I remember when I was in fifth grade, I wanted to go to a school where there were other smart black girls. Because I remember I was in the talented and gifted place. There were like two other black girls and who I knew at the school. Um, and. None of, none of them, no black people were in the classes that I was in mm. and people would always point that out and it, I don't know, I felt really out of place even though I knew that I deserved to be there so being able even though I switched from there, being able to go to a new school where there were so many other black girls specifically who I was able to talk to about these things and who I was able to connect with and who even though I'm at a different school now being able to keep those friendships with them and have that experience was truly amazing for me because I'd never had that before. Um, and I don't know, I had a really similar experience to you, Lauren, and I'm sure you, McKean. And um, I don't know, I'm just, I'm so glad that I had that experience because I know a lot of people don't get to.
2: That's honestly, that's amazing. I wish you lucked out finding a private school where you didn't feel isolated and felt seen both by your peers and your teachers is such a valuable A valuable experience and so rare so I'm so glad that you had that that's like such a blessing and I'm glad that you're still able to connect with them um one thing that we were as we were planning for this episode and we started talking a little bit about like sort of horror stories if you will that we remembered from our own times of being like the only black girl in a class which even in up to my graduating class senior year I was the only black girl which was Some tea, but anyways, (laughs) that's not what we're going to get to. But one thing I remembered from, I was thinking back to middle school specifically, and back then I was attending an all, basically all white, all girls Quaker school for, for just for context. And I was the only black girl in my class. And I remember finally we started talking about race in a class and we talked about Nelson Mandela and sort of the apartheid movement in South Africa. And I remember it was in history class and this girl, not going to name her name, but she said something like, she was like, well, yeah, Nelson Mandela led the African Americans to freedom in South Africa. And I remember I was just like, okay, how are they African American in South Africa? So yeah, "Yeah." (laughs) I was like, that doesn't make sense. (laughs) So I said to her, I was like, well, you can say black, like I'm that's a word that you can use and it's an accurate descriptor it's a more accurate descriptor than african american and then she was like well and then the teacher was like yeah i think she just didn't want to offend anyone like da 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 and i was like well who would have been offended beyond me because i'm the only person of color in this room so i have so many <laughs> memories of like just having to kind of educate my peers and my teachers in a way that like you know is more of a burden and not really anything that any sort of 12 13 year old should have to to bear So we were wondering, like, especially since you were known for your activism work, were there ever any moments that you had in a class where you felt like you had to sort of educate your peers or like sort of advocate for your community? We were even talking about those moments of like getting stared at when slavery comes up and everyone's like looking at you from the front of the room. (laughs) So like, did you ever have any experiences with that?
3: I definitely had the experience of um, everybody looking at me when we were talking about slavery. We also had an Africa unit in fifth grade um, and I was born in Ethiopia. So on top of being an African-American I was also an Ethiopian and then everybody was like, Oh wait, do you, do you remember like, were there giraffes? Were there like, um, No. (laughs) Um, and I would always have to explain that I came here when I was like six months old. And so I don't really remember. And they're like, well, why don't you have an accent? Or I also have a white mother. So being, having people like wonder if I'm mixed and then being like, well, look at me first of all, second of all, no, I'm not. (laughs) Um, and, uh, like then being like, oh, okay. And like thinking like also being adopted is a huge part of my identity. So my early elementary school years was a lot of, well, that's not your real mom. And mm. like, yeah, but like, where's your real parents? Um, that was definitely really hard for me. I'm a lot more comfortable talking about that now. And I'm a lot, I'm a, I'm a lot more able to have those conversations and be able to educate those people now, Um, but there were so many so many lessons that I was taught in elementary school by the white history teacher that looking back on sounds completely ridiculous like my my friend's mom got really upset um, at the history teacher because she said that black people had right to choose which side they fought on during the civil war and um Um. (laughs) all the white kids in the class i know and all the white kids in the class were like oh okay and even though my friend's mom was white she was very educated on that and that was not something i saw a lot at that school Mm -hmm. so i was very very happy um And I was also taught that the story of Pocahontas, um, and even though I'm not indigenous, how she fell in love with John Smith. And that was ridiculous, ridiculously ridiculous. Um, (laughs) And being able to look back on all of that stuff. I mean, especially now sitting here, I can't, I can't like think about one grade where I didn't have at least five of those experiences. Girl. So I definitely relate to both of you yes. when you say that there were a lot of moments where um, you felt out of place or like you had to educate um, your peers and your educators, even though that's definitely not our job. I feel like we still have to
1: it, we feel like we have mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. definitely I, especially what you were saying about the civil war like how how in the place as an educator are you that uninformed yourself but like I should be surprised but I'm not because even thinking about I I'm not American so I grew up in the Bahamas and you know that was definitely one of the places that you know Christopher Columbus came and he you know messed everything up but even the way that i was taught about christopher columbus in a country
0: two kinds of bacon and all kinds of delicious say hello to donato's new bacon duo pizzas two pizzas each with two kinds of bacon try the new pepperoni bacon duo with pepperoni canadian bacon and hardwood smoked bacon and the chipotle bacon duo with canadian bacon and chipotle seasoned bacon Now get $2 off a large bacon duo or any large pizza. Use promo code 2. Donato's, every piece is important.
1: This year, love looks a little different. We're still gathering, we're just doing it virtually. And we're still connecting, we're just doing it safely. So whether it's lighting candles over FaceTime, family dinner through Zoom, or opening gifts virtually, traditions can keep us close even when we can't be together. Stay safe, stay connected, think big and plan small this holiday season. Let's save lives, Columbus. That, you know, faced so many hardships because of him was in such a positive light and thinking about, you know, I'm really happy that there was pushback in your school for it because there was no pushback in mine. And like, I was young, I didn't know the difference. It literally wasn't even until I came to college my freshman year that i learned about all of that and i'm like i should have been taught about that years ago when i was you know in you know my formative years to like form that opinion so i'm very 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 glad that you know you had i mean i guess that one positive experience of having that person to be there to help educate but thinking about you know i guess how you got started in your activism journey we kind of wanted to know At what point did you know that you wanted to be, quote, unquote, like an activist, like we wanted to know what type of role did school play in you being informed about the world? You mentioned, you know, literature and your reading, that your mom helped you to stay informed, watching the news. So what was it like in that to have to, you know, inform yourself and your own beliefs, that type of thing? Like, how did your journey get started?
3: The thing that really kickstarted everything publicly was when I spoke at the March for Our Lives, but being able to um, speak there, there was still so much before that. The first time I ever spoke publicly was in fifth grade in February at a town hall at my local high school um, where my um, family friend Fred Guttenberg was speaking with um, some of his colleagues because his daughter, Jamie Guttenberg had been lost in the Parkland shooting. Um, and I remember going and being able to see Fred and supporting him. Um, and then there was a point where the, there was an open mic for questions and I didn't necessarily ask a question, but I did go up there and just, Started speaking, which wasn't the best ex- way to execute that, but it did get a lot of views and got on the news, which was crazy <laughs> for me. Um, even if it was just the local news, because like that's always something I've always wanted to to have people listen and and hear my experiences. Um, and so seeing myself when I woke up in the morning on the local MSNBC was crazy. Um, and then I held a walkout um, with all of my friends, and um, we added an extra minute for Cortland Arrington, a Black girl who had been shot and killed at her school in Birmingham, Alabama, and that wasn't getting any um, Uh, News attention or attention whatsoever. So instead of walking out for seventeen minutes, we walked out for eighteen. That definitely set us apart from a lot of the walkouts that were happening in Virginia. Um, And then now, this who I'm also working with still asked me to do an interview, and then a lot of people saw that, and then I was asked to speak at the march. I don't know. This all happened so so quickly, Um, and so there wasn't really a specific moment where I thought, well, you know what, I wanna I wanna keep doing this, but um, when when requests kept coming and people, people seemed so interested in what I had to say, I felt like I had, I had an obligation to not keep all of the attention on myself. I feel like that would be completely hypocritical of me to be speaking completely on behalf of Black women, but not bringing them along with me and sharing my plat the platform that I have with girls who need it Probably a lot more than me, because I can recognize I have a lot of privilege growing up in an upper middle class neighborhood and not ever have to worry um, about a lot of the things that I think a lot of young black women have to worry about. Um, And so being able to recognize that on my my part, um, I think it's helped me a lot because I when i was writing my speech for the march for our lives i really really wanted to talk about gun violence cuz that was what everybody was talking about and everybody a lot of people had stories and it took about a day the day before for me to realize that that wasn't something that affected me and that wasn't something that i really had to worry about at all during my life and so my mom and i sat down and she asked me what did affect me and what i could speak on in an authentic manner without um coming off as not really knowing what I was talking about, and that's being a black woman, so being able to have people encourage me and listen to me and um pop ideas off of what I was saying was just an incredible experience, and it still is and i'm just I'm so 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 grateful for the opportunities that I've had um and and I really hope to continue
2: that's amazing we're so excited for you and like i i Like most of us, we mentioned throughout this interview so far, but we most of us know you through that speech and the speech that I remember the first time I saw it on Twitter. And it was just like, this is so I wish that I was I I was so glad to have experienced it in my life, period. But like, I really was like, wow, if I had seen this when I was 13, who knows, like what I would have been able to imagine myself as able to do. So I really kudos to you for being that for so many people in this world period, but especially for young black girls, like that is dope. And that, I don't hope that's not a point of pressure, but that's just like a really amazing thing that we're all so grateful for you for doing. So thank you for that speech. And I feel like because that is what a lot of us know you from, we did want to talk about just that moment. You know, you said that was like one of your, not your very first, but like one of your primary sort of experiences as an activist. What was that like? Like, what was it like being on that stage and like looking out and seeing all those people, and also, you know, the res- crazy response that followed. And I'm sure it was, it felt instant. Social media makes everything feel like, oh my God. So I'm just curious what that was like.
3: It was, um, I remember that I only wrote the speech like 17 hours before I had to speak. So there was a car that took us um, to the Washington mall. And I remember being in there and I was singing to calm myself down because that's often something I do. And my mom made me read the speech and I really didn't want to. I was like reading it would have made it real. And I had like I still do have huge stage fright. And so thinking I thought that there were only going to be a couple thousand people there because that's what. I, I had heard and so not really understanding how many people there were and then going out there and seeing almost a million people standing in front of me was so crazy. And I remember, I do, I can't believe I do, but I do remember standing up there and like in between lines thinking, this is really fun. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And I, I, that was probably one of the best times I'd ever delivered a speech, even though it was my first, I don't know. I feel like having it, the adrenaline rush was so crazy and it having everybody cheer after what I said was, Like, I don't know, it was so surreal. It feels like a fever dream, like it didn't even actually happen. Um, And being able to meet so many amazing people, like the kids from Parkland and other activists um, from all over the country, and having that lead to so many more connections that I made and so many more people that I was able to connect with, um, it it was one of the best days of my life. And I'm, I'm so happy that, that I was included and that it, the snowball effect led to everything that I've gotten to do today.
1: We're so happy to hear that, that, you know, that it was such like that experience that touched, you know, so many people and like, you know, might have changed so many other lives also changed yours in such a positive way and that it was a positive experience. Like you said, it was surreal. You had fun. And I think that is definitely so, so important. So we're so glad to hear that. And also we want to talk about like, you know, your speech itself and, you know, the things the advocacy that you were, um, you know, speaking about in the speech was you know, how outspoken you are about the neglect of media attention for, you know, violence against Black women and how, you know, you never hear those stories on the news. And also you've been vocal about as well, you know, the tendency for the media to, you know, kind of put these white privileged activists at the forefront of activism movements. And we wanted to hear from you about why exactly you feel like this lack of diversity and lack of representation is inherently harmful for activism work. And just, you know, what types of steps do you think need to be taken to bring more attention to the black and brown activists who are actually like experiencing these injustices and speaking on their experiences when they're doing this advocacy work?
3: I think I agree with you, and I think that um, regardless of whether people are talking about gun violence, climate change, um, really any um, form of activism that people speak out on, the most popular activists or the activists who get the most opportunities um, are white. And I think that one of the I was in Davos, Switzerland, um, at the World Economic Forum, and um, it was a great opportunity, but (laughs) I noticed um, that a lot of the climate change activists um, were white and speaking out on a lot of the issues um, that did not affect them. And a lot of them were from Europe. Um, And I feel like everyone has a right to speak out on whatever they want to. And of course it affects all of us, but speaking on behalf of the little kids in Africa or in Asia who all of this affects way more and then not making it a point to include them in that conversation even like it's I don't think it's very authentic um, and a lot of the attention gets um, driven away from the people who experience all of that the most. Um, A lot of that also happens in the gun violence aspect of activism that's that's super well known right now. I noticed that a lot of the Black kids from inner cities are a lot of the kids of color from inner cities who have to dodge from bullets to get to school. You don't see them on CNN speaking about what they hear, and you don't see them um, writing books or on TV or getting their own shows or, or or having as much opportunity as the white kids who speak about that do. Um, and. That also relates to, um, I was at a school uh, that was majority black, maybe there was one Latina girl, and I was speaking at the school about how violence affected Black women. And this one white woman in the back of the room raised her hand and asked me why this was a Black woman problem and why it can't just be an all-woman problem and why I can't just talk about all women and how no. all women are affected by violence. <laughs> um, and I said what we're probably all thinking right now. Um, and I don't know, I think I think that really opened my eyes um, and got me to really start noticing how a lot of the privileged, um, wealthy, sometimes white kids get all of this media attention, whether it's at giant world leader conferences like in Davos, or it's at a small summit. um, You notice that there's a lot of gentrification in the activist community. um, And I don't know, I'm trying, I try my best not to name names, because that's not going to be good of me. But Mm -hmm. it's... I just said I, my mom said don't name names <laughs> um, but I, can't. I think that we we can all notice that
2: <laughs> we understand we hear you loud and clear <laughs> but that's it's such a, a shame when you I think the beautiful part of activism that is done by people who are living the experience like yes I believe in you know perhaps it's not always fair to make those people laborers But it's also, we know that it's going to happen anyways, kind of. If it's really going Mm -hmm. to be informed activism, you have to speak to them at some point. And why not help forefront, you know, like why speak to them and then just go speak on your own publicly when you could sort of bring those people up with you. And I think that's a beautiful thing that you have touched on. And even earlier when you mentioned like the process of acknowledging our own privilege, I feel like even within Black activist communities, you know, there is this question of like, what well, because I'm Black, that, that I check all the boxes, you know what I mean? But acknowledging class privilege and mm-hmm. that and like what role it plays, I think that's really important. I think that's something we all could benefit from doing. So kudos to you for that. I also, you know, in the past, we've heard you talk about, you know, people seeing you as like too young to have formed these thoughts on your own or like, I don't know, something like, you're the tool of some adult somewhere or da 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 whatever they might say. So I'm kind of curious how age has played into sort of your experience in the activist community have people responded to you in a, any particular way because of how young you are or do you think you've been well received
3: I think that it might be uh, an easier time for an 11 or 13 year old to be outspoken than it might have been like 10 years ago so I'm really grateful for that and in all the rooms um with all the people that I've surrounded with myself I do think I've been very well received and like I have an equal spot at the table and like my opinion is valued yes. but I know that continuing to um be in those rooms is probably not a realistic expectation that i should have so i always try to think about how i can respond because i see a lot of people on social media say um that i'm a tool of some adult or that i'm a prop or something like that and they say that a lot about a lot of the kids i mean i think especially for a lot of the kids who are more popular um who are like 16 17 let alone me being 13 so it's 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 really interesting to see all of. Of that but I'm not gonna um, count out that I'm probably gonna have to experience that in person at some point and I'm probably gonna be able have to be able to deal with that so it's I don't know I think it's really easy to ignore um, it when you have to look it up to see all of the negative thoughts but I'm probably gonna run into that just as we're all probably gonna run into that at some point so I just I just have to remember um, to keep things civil because re- backtracking when that lady asked me that question at the school I got very upset um and um overall I feel like I've been well received and that people um are uh, take take my opinion into account and I'm grateful for that
1: definitely definitely well I personally feel like if there's really you know anybody who's like showing that you're never too young to make a difference you are definitely one of those people so I'm I'm just we're just so proud of you Miki and I cannot cannot stress that enough but even like in prepping for this episode we were like we love her so much we cannot wait to have this conversation because you know you're so impressive and that's not just because of your age but it's also just because you know of how eloquent and how outspoken you are in general and just you know having that knowledge to be able to speak on these issues, the confidence to speak on these issues, it's just, it's so valuable and we cannot stress enough how hyped we are for you. seriously exactly (laughs) we wanted to also just you know bring some attention you a little plug like you said um you know to some projects that you're working on right now so as you mentioned you're the host of the newly launched show which is now this kids and also you've started your own foundation so please you know plug yourself tell us a little bit more about these projects
3: I I love supporting organizations that I feel super connected to. I've always, um, the school that I was talking about was Washington School for Girls. Um, which is a school that I visited many times, and I've had so many amazing conversations with all of the girls there, who are a lot older than me, but so 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 welcoming. Um, and it's so great to be able to um, have conversations with a myriad of girls who all look like me and who all have similar experiences to me, and just having such a welcoming environment where I can speak um, about things that we've all experienced and have have that support is so amazing. So the honorarium um, that my foundation receives all goes to, um, organizations that I believe are doing a wonderful job. And so I don't keep any of the money, but another one of those is Safe Shores, um, which is a resource for kids who have been victims of violent crimes. Um, and a lot of them are kids of color. So, um, yeah. And speaking about the show, As I said, I've always wanted to be a journalist. And so it's so great to be able um, to kind of get um, an opportunity to delve into that a little bit because I I feel that a lot of journalists tell the stories that people want to hear as opposed to the stories that they need to hear and the stories that people. need to be able to understand um, what's actually going on in the world and so being able to be a person that younger kids and kids my age look to for information like that along with the entire now this team um is is really great
2: it's amazing i mean i'm so excited for you we literally we always do this at the end of our podcast episodes like we get so hyped about our guests that we're like oh my god we stand over here <laughs> so yes kudos to you for that and i i'm literally after this on my way to watch all of your stuff like to everyone go look up Naomi's organization like major kudos for that um the next thing that we really wanted to talk about was you know beyond your activism work we like to sort of like as we close the episode look to the future how do you and you've talked a little bit about this with your your sports but like how do you make sure that you find a way to like be a kid in all of your work, you know, and whether that's with friends that you've made who are also activists, who are also teenagers or just on your own, like how do you sort of leave room for the the life that's happening in all of this?
3: Um, I've made so many amazing friends who are also a part of the activist community like Jordan Reeves, who's a disability activist um, and Mariko Benny. Um, And so it's so great to be able to have friends that go through some of the same things that I go through when it comes to either being the youngest of the room, um, or not having people listen to you necessarily in a lot of different rooms so being able to attend events with the kids. Of friends that I've made, is it's so much more fun to be able to know that there are always two people who know what you're going through in the audience supporting you. Um, and at the same time, I, I love hanging out with friends, regardless of whether or not they do that work. And I just, I absolutely love watching TV, um, which I know is um, kind of a cliche, but it is so, 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 it's so real. fun. real. <laughs>
0: um, <laughs>
3: And I always get lost in it. So I never, I don't really have a lot of opportunities to watch TV during the week because of my school schedule and filming. But during the weekend, I barely get out of my bed. So that's definitely another thing that I do a
1: lot. uh, Not so much to my mom's approval. Okay, we love it. We we are here for the TV binge watching because we do the exact same thing. And like we kind of talked about in one of our, you know, like first, first, um, episodes, you know, like self-care and like Finding time to like have joy for yourself can look like whatever it needs to look like. So if that's laying in bed all weekend, then we support that and we we're here for it. And also kind of speaking about, you know, like making sure you're like keeping your childhood and like safeguarding your mental health. We kind of also wanted to know what it's like to kind of be in the public eye at such an early age, particularly thinking about you know, social media platforms and if there's any ever pressure to, you know, refrain from like like putting any personal information online or, like, if you feel like you have to, like, only be your activist persona online, like, what has your relationship with social media been like since, you know, your, um, like, popularity and um, notability as an activist?
3: Um. So I have a TikTok account, which is really the only form of social media that I have where I'm not, I don't post a lot, but where I can comment on other people's things and where I'm kind of, like, anonymous with my friends mm. um, because I'm sure that, Uh, A lot of nobody would like to see me dancing to anything um, after (laughs) being on my Instagram or Twitter account. Um, So that's really I have separate Instagram and Twitter accounts where I don't have any followers and I just follow people and look at a lot of the social media influencers and celebrities because I don't have an opportunity to comment on people's posts or do anything like that Mm -hmm. um, on my main Instagram account. And so a lot of my friends follow my main Instagram um and they'll always like comment jokes or stuff like that and once I responded and I was like ha 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 and this woman was like nice to see that you're not taking any of this seriously like excuse me oh my
2: god <laughs> get out of my business <laughs> <laughs>
3: Um, so I try um, to be super active on social media, but it doesn't always work um, because there's so much going on right now. And I know that a lot of people are always on Instagram, like right after someone posted it, like I can post a photo and then there will be like a hundred people who liked it in like 12 seconds. And right. I don't understand. It's because, like, how did you like, see what it? Are you, what are you, <laughs> I know. What are you doing? <laughs> and so I always like miss stuff because it happened like a day and I haven't been on Instagram for two days. And then I'll get all these DMs and people are like, oh, did you see this? And they're like blank. Mention you in their story, and then I can't look at it anymore because it's not there. Um, So I need to be a lot better at being active on social media, but often on my main social medias, I feel the need to be like extra professional um, and extra um, my activist persona, who is not necessarily who I am as a person, because while it's a big Mm -hmm. part of my life, like part of me just wants to be able to post photos with my friends and do all of that stuff without people being like, well, when are you going to post that? Or somebody being like, okay, I'll unfollow blah, blah, blah. So I don't know. Um, I definitely have, um, a need to keep up this image of myself, but I feel like that's everybody with social media at some point.
2: That's real. I, we've talked about this before, but like, Social media is kind of the best and the worst because there's great content that will make you crack up, but it's like, dang, is this on brand? Or like, you know, is this what people want to hear from me versus like, this is even though this is like fully what I want to repost or what I want to post or share, whatever it is. So I'm glad that you have your little, I don't want to call them finstas, but your little separate accounts for you and your friends, because that's so important. Like, honestly, especially when you have such a large following, we can only imagine like you need that distance, like that lady was in your business way too much, wondering what you're, doing. <laughs> what you're laughing at, <laughs> but um I think as we sort of bring this conversation to a close, I, we kind of wanted to know like what are your dreams for the future? You know you're like you're about to go to high school, but then like life is kind of just at the, the, your fingertips, and it's like only sort of up from here for you and at least in my eyes, and I'm hopefully in yours too, so we're kind of wondering like what are you excited to do five years from now 10 years from now like do you have a dream college that you've even started thinking about or like any upcoming projects that you're looking forward to
3: um I do have a dream college. Um it's been NYU for a really long time. Aww. Um or Columbia, which are two of my week first out. <laughs> of all they're <laughs> they're both in New York City and I love the city more than anything in the entire world. Yo. Um and uh I'd be having the uh opportunity to go to a school um which is first of all they're both great schools. Um, with great art programs, and just the, the the ability to go to a school that will give me a great education while also being in my favorite place in the world, um, that would be amazing. I also spoke at Harvard um, with uh, Yara Shahidi okay. about two years ago, <laughs> and the The entire environment at that school I felt was definitely not expected because I feel like Harvard and all those Ivies have such a reputation for like being so serious and of course they were and cared about their grades, but they were so welcoming um, and so energetic um, and I would love to be able to go somewhere um, where my activism and also who I am as a person is taken into account as opposed to just my grades um, and my ability to solve X, Y, Z. So yeah, I, and when it comes to professions, I have three things I really want to do. I either want to be a journalist or an actress or um, a surgeon. And I don't know. All three?
2: Praise (laughs) anatomy?
3: Those are all so different, Um, but every other week I choose one of the three,
1: so. (laughs) We love that. Honestly, we can personally say Columbia would be very, very, very lucky to have you, and I agree. Very. New York, my favorite place in the entire world, which is why I picked Columbia, so I feel it. Everything that you just said, but kind of like what McKean was saying with all three, honestly, girl, do it all. I don't think that, you know, you know, there's, and like, you don't have to pick just one. I think there's definitely a way for you to combine all of those interests into like, you Mm -hmm. know, a lifestyle that's like bringing you joy and making you, you know, the chance to like put all your passions together. So we loved hearing that little, you know, what's up next and in the future for Naomi. Um, Yes. We're just so, so excited for you and all that you will achieve. We believe in you and this is just so positive. And we're so happy to, you know, have gotten to know you on this level to hear more about your activism, everything that's going on with you right now. And Yes, just ask a little concluding segment that we love to do on our show and things on a high note or a positive note. We just want to talk about some things that are bringing us joy and that are making us really happy right now. So who wants to go first? I went first last time. Miki, do you want to go first?
2: Okay, I'll go first. Gosh, (laughs) it's always so hard for me, especially when it's like, dang, I had a whole week of classes, but there's still joy. So I guess one thing that's bringing me joy Me and my cousins have been doing bonfires outside lately as it gets chilly up here. And honestly, like, I just love fall. So the fact that it's (laughs) dipping below 70 degrees has been such a joy for me. Like, I'm so excited. I love going outside. It's like not, I'm not sweating. It's peaceful. The leaves are turning colors. Like, the air is kind of chilly. So that's kind of been my joy right now. Honestly, I I wish it was more exciting. But that's bringing me happiness at this moment. Naomi, did you want to go next with something that's like, and sure. making your day.
3: <laughs> I was going to say the exact same thing. The fact that it's not so hot anymore and it's kind of cloudy and some of the leaves are turning orange, that is like my favorite time of the year. And I yes. love summer because there's no school, but it's also so hot and like it's so tiring to just step out of the house. So I'm so glad. I'm excited for sweaters and boots mm-hmm. and all of that. And I'm, I don't know, I'm just, I'm really excited that it's getting colder.
1: Yes. <laughs> so funny that the two things that are bringing you both joy are like the current bane of my existence I hate cold (laughs) weather so much Um, maybe it's the island gal in me but I I mm know the minute it was like 70 degrees I was like no I can't do it it's freezing it's not the only like good thing I can say I had a rough day yesterday with like moving my stuff but now that I'm into my new, like, dorm that I'm living in. I have sunlight, which I think makes me really happy. I'm, I'm very much like a a sun type of girl. I'd hope that it was mm. warm, but at least the fact that it looks like it's warm outside is bringing me some type of joy. I have a cute view of, like, you know, Little Plaza and Columbia's, you know, pretty campus. So, that's making me happy right now. Also, okay. like, quarantine has ended. I've been alone in a dark room for the past two weeks. So, this sunlight is making me very very happy and like being to go outdoors so
2: that's I'm here all. for it well yay okay so that is it for today's episode thanks everybody who listened also little Naomi if you ever want to come visit us at Columbia whenever that reopens and want like a real tour we got you and thank you. <laughs> of course literally <laughs> so thanks y'all for tuning in and Thank you for Naomi for joining us. This has been such a joy. Everyone go check her out on Instagram and Twitter at Naomi Wadler. And do you have anything else for people to go check out before we head out?
1: Uh no, I think that's okay. Thank you for having me. Of course. of course. It's been such a pleasure to have you here today. Like we said, everyone go check out Naomi. Also, make sure you tune into next week's episode where McKean and I are gonna be having a conversation all about body image and mental health and just you know everything that there is to talk about there. So, yes, we're really excited for that episode. There's a lot to unpack, there's a lot to unravel yes. with
2: that. So for yeah. real. And in the meantime, if you like this episode and can't wait for the next one, which we hope is the case, <laughs> make <laughs> sure you keep us, keep up with us on Instagram at Black Girl Blueprint, Twitter at B Girl Blueprint, and send us any questions for our Read the Room segment at blackgirlblueprint at gmail.com. And if you like this episode, let us know by subscribing and leaving us a little review. We love that.
1: reviews. And that's all we have. Those are our five yes. stars. But
2: yes. Thanks. Thank you all so much. See you next week. Bye. Bye.